following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Do you have a God dream? Because I want to say to you today that before you leave, I want to sow a seed into your spirit in regards to having a God dream. And I don't want you to sit there and say, I'm too old to have a God dream. Because in Acts chapter 2, it says, your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions, but your old men will dream dreams. And so you're never too old to get a God dream. Have you got a God dream today? Because I'm here to inspire you to have a God dream. If you have your Bibles, would you open to Genesis 37, verses 5 to 6. And we'll start off with Joseph's dream that was a God dream. And this is what it says in Genesis 37, 5 to 6. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers. And they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. And you all know the dream that he dreamt. And it was a God dream. And and it took 13 years for that God dream to come to pass. But nevertheless, it did. And it brought amazing glory to God. I just believe that one of the ways that a God dream can come to pass is if we remain faithful and committed to the things of God, then the God dreams will come to pass as it did in Joseph's life, as it did in the lives of many great men and women, as it did in Martin Luther King's life. It came to pass, his dream of seeing little colored children and white children go to school together. In his time, that was an impossibility, but today it's the norm right across the world. He sowed to it. He didn't necessarily see it come to pass in his lifetime, but he made it come to pass for others. Do you have a dream today? Do you have a God dream? Are you inspired through life because you're living for a God dream? In 1996, Anne and I were privileged to come to North Shore Christian Center and take over as senior pastors of this church. And one of the things that God laid upon my heart was a God dream for television ministry. I told a few people about it, that I had a God dream for television ministry. And they got excited about it. Yeah, something resonated in their spirit about it. And one of the guys that I shared it with was a guy called Chris Welsh. Is Christopher here today? Where's Chris? Hey, nice to see you, Chris. And so he's working for Channel 9 Studios at the time. And, and, uh, and so he comes, he comes to see me one day and he says, Pastor John, I've got all the studio equipment that we can have. It's perfect for television ministry. There's cameras and there's bits and pieces that'll broadcast. It only costs us $10,000 and we can set up a television ministry. I said, go and buy it, Chris. And, um, and so before we had a building, we had all these cameras that we'd bought and, uh, and uh, this uh, equipment that we set up uh, for TV ministry. And uh, believe it or not, we're still using some of those cameras today, Chris. Uh, I mean, they are like God, everlasting, I think. Uh, <laughs> We just, thank, we just thank God for a guy called Willie. And uh, Willie, Willie is a genius when it comes to restoring antique cameras, of which ours is. 
I mean, we had a guy come here. Um, it's, uh, he used to work for the ABC studios. And prior to that, he used to work at, at Canberra Broadcasting Parliament House. And he says, I recognize one of those cameras. I used it in camera to broadcast politicians. And I thought, what a difference from the politicians of Canberra spouting what they were spouting and the Word of God at North Shore Christian Center. Hasn't God got a sense of humor? I I think so. And so so we bought these cameras to set up the television ministry, and basically they sat collecting dust for five years. And, uh, you know, when we opened the church, we we had them set up and we brought, we, we sort of you know, recorded a few of our, our services, but because there was no sense of, well, what are we doing this for? A lot of people fell out of the ministry and they sat idle for years. And then what happened is that one day I got a phone call from a friend of mine called Pastor Gary Costello. And he said, said John, are you interested in getting on television? And I said, I've got a dream that's been sitting there dormant for years. And he said, I've got an opportunity for us to get on TVS. He said, just get me some of your videos, anything, and we'll play them. And I thought, we don't have any videos. So I went to Peter Sneesby and I said, hey, Pete, can we put together a television program? And he said, John, you've got no idea what you're asking for. And I said, yeah, television. He says, you've got no idea. You realize that for one minute of broadcasting, it requires one hour of work. And you want to broadcast for 30 minutes. That's about 30 hours of work for each program. And I said, make it happen, Pete. And so Pete made it happen and uh, gathered, gathered together a team of committed people. And now, rather than saying, oh, let's just broadcast for our services, it was we, we got an opportunity to broadcast right across Sydney. And people started to come out of the woodwork. We put a team together. And 10 years ago, October 2002, we were able to broadcast our first, first service on TBS. And 10 years later, 400 episodes later, with uh, an audience that's reached millions of people. Because when you think 60,000 households per week, multiply that by 520 weeks, and it gives you some sort of an idea of how many people we have reached. But I want to say to you that it comes out of a team effort. It was two weeks ago. One, one of our, our uh, uh, television uh, camera crews, is Ben. He's 11 years of age. And uh, it was his first time on camera. And I said, how you doing? He says, well, I'm just learning. Dad, Dad said to me that, I, that I, you know, I need to get on cameras. And so that's cool. And so I'm a little bit nervous. And then I thought, I'm going to add to your nerves. And I said, do you realize that by you going on cameras, you actually reach 60,000 people today? And all of a sudden, I think he got the shakes. <laughs> Talk about getting a heart attack at 11 years of age. But, but not only that, I just saw his eyes light up. And what, and what he saw was not just me following Pastor John around on the stage on the cameras, which in itself is an incredibly difficult job. Isn't that right, Judy? Uh, I, I mean, they want to give me lead weights to stay behind in one spot, but you can't keep a good man down, isn't it? 
Can anybody say amen to that? And, and, and so, so he began to see that this wasn't just about getting behind a camera. This was about getting involved in partnership to reach literally thousands and thousands of people. And so to all those that have been involved, for all those that have been contributing, for all of those at North Shore Christian Center, I say a big thank you, a big thank you. And I seriously am amazed at how many people watch our program. We we had um, John Mellor here the other week and Christians from other churches came in. As soon as they came into the church, they said, we recognize this church. We recognize you. We watch you on television every week. We just weren't aware that we were coming to the Life Source Church. But we were at Rocco and Olga's wedding, their daughter's wedding, not their wedding. That was um, quite a few years ago. But their daughter's wedding just a couple of weeks ago. And so they sat us on table with these three couples. And, and the lady sitting next to me kept saying, I know you from somewhere. Um, were you at Rocco and Olga's oldest daughter's wedding three years ago? I said, no, I wasn't there. Well, I, I know you from somewhere. Where do I know you from? And so the conversation, yeah, you look familiar. We've met you somewhere. I, you know, it's sort of a, a, a little bit sort of ostentatious to say, well, you might watch me on television. I sort of wasn't going to go there. Huh? It's not sort of a cool thing to do and so the conversation sort of goes around and she's looking at me thinking where do I know this guy from before and then all of a sudden it clicks and she says are you a pastor and I said yes I am I know where I know I watch Life Source and then all the other three couples says I watch him as well I watch Life Source and I said that's awesome that's fantastic I don't know whether Rocco and Olga are advertising it to their friends but uh, they were watching the program and wherever we go in Sydney people stop us and say we watch the program and it ministers to us you know my God dream has come to pass in this But I want to talk to you this morning about you getting a God dream. I want to talk to you about how do you know if your dream is a God dream? Why is that? Because there are two types of dreams. There are personal dreams and there are God dreams. And I think it's great for all of us to have a personal dream. I hope, you know, I hope that when a dream comes to pass, that that's not where you hang up your socks and say, well, my life is over now. I'm ready to go to heaven. I hope that you get yourself another dream. And I hope that you set dreams that are incredibly hard to accomplish so that I get accomplished just in a moment. But, but I've got personal dreams as well as God dreams. One of my personal dreams is that by the time I die, I get to visit 100 countries. So I'm up to 66. Still got 34 to go and then I die. No, no, I'm... <laughs> Just make sure it only gets to 99. My wife won't let me go to the 100th. But then we said another dream. But they're personal dreams. I'm not going to say to you today that me having a dream to visit 100 countries is a God dream. That's a personal dream. And we need to separate the two and need to differentiate the two. But let me say that, that going on television to preach the gospel, that wasn't a personal dream. That was a God dream. And you say, how can you tell the difference between a personal dream and a God dream? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I'm going to answer that for you this morning. Are you ready? Number one, ask yourself this question. Does it glorify God? Because there will always be an aspect of a God dream that will glorify God. This is what it says in John 17 verse 4, when Jesus came 
to this earth to fulfill the God dream for his life. He said, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. See, even Jesus understood that his God dream would glorify God. You can't have a dream that you say this is a God dream and it's all about you. It's got to be about God. It's got to be about glorifying Him. Why is that? Because a God dream is birthed by the Holy Spirit. It's conceived by the Holy Spirit. When Jesus came to this planet, His very birth was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The angel said to Mary, that which is inside of you has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. He says, how's that the case? Seeing I have not known a man. It was a seed planted by the Holy Spirit. I want to say to you that the God dream in your life is something that you open yourself up to God and God plants the seed within you. It's a God seed that when it fully matures, it will always glorify God. Can you see how Jesus is the dream of God for this world and how God similarly wants to place a God dream in your life. Why is that? So that at the end of it, when you accomplish the God dream, you can never say, look at what I have done. You will always be, look at what the Lord has done. Look at what the Lord has done. And can I say to you today, while we're celebrating 10 years of life source, I can stand in front of you and say, look at what the Lord has done. Look at what the Lord has done. Oh, glory to God. The second thing, how do you know if your dream's a God dream? Ask yourself this question, does it make life better for others? Because a God dream will always make life better for others. See, if your dream is self-focused, then it's not about making life better for others. And I just think it's really, really sad when, when people get caught up in the materialism of this world. And their dreams are self-focused and self-engrossing. Matter of fact, some multi-level marketing people actually use it as a hook to get people into the multi-level marketing. And they say, hey, what we, if you could have anything, what would you like to have? Would you like to have a big house? Would you like to have a big boat? Would you like to have a Ferrari? Well, well if you get involved with us, this will give you the opportunity to get what you want. And it's all about me. It's all about more things for me. It's all about living my life better for me. See, that's got nothing to do with a God dream. A God dream is never about you and your materialistic aspirations. A God dream is always about others. See, Jesus, when he came to fulfill the God dream for his life, this is what he said in Mark 10, 45. I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. Jesus understood that the God dream for his life was not about him being gloried and him at this stage being honored as the king of Israel. I mean, that time was coming. But his goal at this time was for others, laying down his life for others. I want to say to you that a God dream that's inspired by the Holy Spirit will cause you to live a life for others. Even Joseph, using the text that we started, 
right at the end, you get, see, see we, we see his story in, in, in Genesis 37, but then we, we get to see the end of it in Genesis 50, when his brothers came up and said, boy, would you, we, we're really scared that now that dad's dead, you're going you're gonna to really give us a hard time. And Joseph turned and he said, hang, hang on here. You guys have got no idea that God actually used you guys to help me get my God dream. He says, but, 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 you know, we persecuted you. We threw you into a ditch. We, we sold you for, for, as a slave. All these negative things that had happened to you, we were the cause of it. And Joseph said, no, God actually turned it around. What you meant for evil, God turned it around and brought good out of it. And the final thing is this, in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. Come on, get hold of this, folks. Because so often there will be stuff that you think interferes with the God dream. But can I say to you that nobody can interfere with the God dream in your life. No demon, no brother, no sister, no circumstance, no nothing can stop the God dream coming to pass in your life. The only thing that can stop the God dream from coming to pass in your life is you. He said, but, but, but this person did that. It's got nothing. This is not as if God's in heaven saying, oh, fancy that. I never knew that was happening. Oh, what am I going to do now? Well, I better go to plan B because I never saw that happening. When God placed the God dream in your life, He saw every circumstance that was going to happen in your life. And He's got a way through, a navigational point through it all. As long as you don't become bitter and twisted by it all, God will navigate it through and actually use every negative circumstance to bring about His glory. Third point, how do you know your, God, your dream is a God dream? Number three, do you need God's help for it to come to pass? Because if you don't need God's help, it's probably not a God dream. That's all I got to say about that. Except 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 says that we are God's fellow workers. I just love that. We are God's fellow workers. What that means is this, that God loves working with us. And that we ought to love working with God and that we do it together. That God says, you know what? I could bring the God dream to pass all by myself if I wanted to, but I don't want to. I actually want to use you. I actually want to be in partnership with you. God works with us. And I, I just love that. And God makes a dream so far removed from our own capacity and ability that at the end of the day, we can't do it by ourselves. And if you can, I don't believe it's a God dream. I think it's a personal dream. If you can make it happen, it's a personal dream. If you can't make it happen, it's a God dream. Because always God says, I don't ever want you to drift too far away from me. You constantly need that prayer. God, if you don't make this happen, it can't happen. God, I need your help. And without your help, this whole thing will fall apart. Second thing I want to say is, how do you keep your God dream alive? Are you ready for this? Because what happens is this, is that there are dream destroyers that want to destroy your God dream. Let's, let's go to the story of, of Jesus. 
How many of you know the story of Jesus? When he was born, this is Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. He was God's dream for the world. But Herod wanted to destroy him. And so Joseph gets, we're not talking Joseph now of Genesis 37. We're talking Joseph, husband of Mary now, okay? We've got two Josephs happening here, both dreamers. I love that. Matter of fact, when it comes to Genesis, Joseph has more dreams than anybody else. And when it comes to the New Testament, Joseph also has more dreams than anybody else, except the two different Josephs. Joseph, both dreamers. And so he's Joseph, the husband of Mary, gets this dream saying, leave Israel and go to Egypt because Herod wants to destroy the child. I want to say to you that there are dream destroyers in this world. There are dream destroyers. And you need to keep your dream away from the dream destroyers. For me, the, the dream destroyers are the three Ds. There's the devil. He's the biggest dream destroyer. Can anybody say amen to that? Man, I tell you, his whole motivation in life is to stop the God dream coming to pass in your life. I mean, that's, that's, that's his number one ambition after stopping you getting saved. Okay, so his number one ambition is to stop you getting saved. But then if he can't stop you getting saved, his number two ambition is to stop the God dream from coming to pass in your life and for you to become just a, a very insipid, watered down version of a Christian. He would love that. He would love nothing more for you than just come to church, put your money in the offering, go home and just live your life because you're going to heaven and that's all you need to do. But I tell you what makes him tremble is when you start praying, God, I just know that there's more to it than just being saved. I want to find out what my God dream is and I want to be committed to it so that when I stand before you on that day, I'll be able to say, I fulfilled the God dream for my life. The second D is the discouragers. Not only does the devil want to destroy your dream, but there are discouragers. Who's ever been exposed to a discourager? A discourager of people like this. Ha, oh, that'll never come to pass. And who do you think you are dreaming a dream like that? Joseph's brothers were all discouragers. And the world is full of discouragers. And I, and I really believe they are the plants of the enemy. Whatever you do, don't listen to negative people. Don't listen to people that have never accomplished a God dream for their own lives. Don't let them be the dictators to you. Don't, don't let the small people drag you down. The people that just want to live day by day, get their stuff in this world and die with the stuff that they've accomplished, not understanding that they're not able to take it with them. they got to leave it behind. Well, what is that? The whole saying, he that dies with the most toys wins. Let me tell you, that's the biggest deception ever. Why is that? Because he that dies with the most toys has got to leave it all behind. For someone that hasn't worked that hard to inherit all the toys. How frustrating is that? How frustrating is that? Stay away from the discouragers. The third D is disappointment. Let me tell you, disappointment is such a dream destroyer. Disappointment. Because 
there's no way in the world that you can ever pursue a dream and not be confronted with disappointment. You, you, you think about ancient Joseph. I'm going to talk about ancient Joseph and new Joseph, but ancient Joseph, think about the disappointment with him. He's trying to share his dream. Well, he's only 17 years of age. He doesn't fully, I mean, his EQ wasn't incredibly developed at that stage. So he's, he's actually rubbing salt into the wound with his brother. He just wasn't aware that by sharing his dream, they were getting incredibly jealous, especially wearing that coat of many colors that his father had given to him. He just wasn't aware of what was going on. And, uh, and, and, these, and these people, they were discouragers, but worse than discouragers, they actually threw him into a pit. And that's where disappointment can come in. So thrown into a pit, how many of you know, you can get disappointed. But the beautiful thing about Joseph was this, that he never allowed disappointment to pollute his dream. He always rose up about disappointment and said, God, if this is a God dream, then you're at work to make it come to pass. But you know what I discover? I discover that there are a lot of disappointed people out there that once had a dream, a God dream, and through disappointment, allowed the dream destroyers to get a foot in the door and destroy the dream. I want to say to you, it's time to dream again. Come on. A few weeks ago, I preached a message similar to this. And I just think there's a theme coming across here for some of you. It's time to dream again. It's time to catch a fresh vision again. It's time to not allow the dream destroyers to destroy your God dream, but allow the Holy Spirit to start blowing on those embers again so that those embers can become a mighty fire. How do you keep a dream alive? Well, first of all, keep it away from the dream destroyers. And secondly, find an environment for your God dream to flourish. You've got to find an environment where your God dream flourishes. And this is what the angel of the Lord said to Joseph, the husband of Mary. Take the child to Egypt because here it is going to be destroyed. But there it can flourish. Then after a season... The angel of the Lord came back to Joseph in a dream and says, Now take the baby, but not to Jerusalem, to Nazareth, because there it can flourish. And what, what was this saying? Find an environment where your dream can flourish. And where's the environment that your dream can flourish? But in an environment where you're surrounded by godly people who are themselves pursuing a God dream. Have you, how many of you know that God dreamers understand how important it is to protect their dream? And so they'll do their best to encourage your dream. And as you begin to share the God dreams, you actually encourage each other. You actually encourage each other to grow and to develop and to become all that God wants you to do. And lastly, you want your dream to flourish, attach yourself to a healthy church. Your dream cannot flourish in an unhealthy church. And an unhealthy church, is, it's, it's, it's all about me and my ministry, rather about you and your calling. See, a healthy church is, how can we help you find the God dream for your life? How can we help you become all that God wants you to become? An unhealthy church is, it's all about us, and it's all about what we want to do. And there's no other option. If you don't help us do what we want to do, then there's no option. Whereas a healthy church says, do you know what? There are many children in this family. 
And it's, they've all got their own destinies in God. And you come into this house where we feed you, we nourish you, and we encourage the God dream in your life. And then when you finally have to leave this house, if that's the case, where God sends you forth, we still stay attached because we're connected. We're connected. And your, your victory is our victory. Your success is our success. Your accomplishment is our accomplishment. Why is that? Because we're family. We do it all together and we're all building the kingdom of God together. And that's the greatest joy that comes from a healthy church. So let me finish this morning. I'm coming down for the landing. And that's this to say this, that God's dream for your life begins with his dream for you. Oh, I tell you, God's dream for you is so magnificent. It's so wonderful. It's so awesome. And yes, there are so many things that he wants you to accomplish with your life. And, and I pray to God that every single one of you, especially you younger people. How many young people have you got here? Give me a wave, all the young people. Yeah, the younger ones are downstairs in children's church. So the thing is this. So how many old people do we have here? Give me a wave of all the old people. So we've got young people. We've got old people. And then we've got about 50% of you that don't fit into young or old. So what would you call yourself? Young at heart. Okay, so... The young at heart, give me a wave, the young at heart. Whoa, okay. (laughs) Do you know what I love about young people? They've got their whole lives in front of them. They haven't got that many disappointments and discouragement to squash them. And what a pity it is when a young person is already squashed at 15, 16 years of age. What, What? That's shocking. They've got all sorts of dreams. They've got all sorts of aspirations about their future. When I leave school, what what do I want to do? I don't know. Well, do you want to do something? Yes, but I don't know what it is because I'm afraid of failure and I just want to be successful and I want to find something that I can be successful in, but I don't know what it is. Come on. Get into the presence of God and start dreaming and start saying, God, show me, show me your dream for my life. See, I was blessed at 18 years of age. I, I pursued the God dream. I knew about it even when I was a little kid. But at 18, I made a commitment towards it. And now I'm 53 and I look back and I say, not disappointed one day ever, one second that I fulfilled the God dream for my life, and I'm still pursuing it. But what about you? Are you waking up every day and saying, I'm bored? Because that's a dead giveaway that you're not pursuing the God dream. I'm bored. I'm bored. That is the antithesis of what God wants for you. What God wants for you is to get up every morning. You're so excited. It's a new day. God, what are we going to accomplish for you today? God, how much closer are we going to get to the God dream? Oh, how exciting it is to be in partnership with you. What a wonderful thing it is to be a fellow worker with God and know this, that when the day comes that we'll stand before your presence, 
we'll be able to say we've done the God dream for our lives. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 